0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 21. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021, as of the recording of this show. And I am your humble host, Riley Bowman, joined today by our illustrious co-host and producer. Yes, Matthew (laughs) Mariskey, the man, the legend, the mystery. I don't. You you always have this build-up
1: for me, and I don't. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, it's way too much. I don't know. Because
0: you are awesome, brother. You are awesome. Uh, Seriously, folks, if you got to know Matthew in person, you just you would realize how awesome he is. We are so fortunate to be in his presence.
1: <laughs> let's let's get the let's get the show going because I'm I i do not know this is, this is uh, I'm making I'm, I'm uncomfortable now. So
0: yeah, well you know U.S. Marine. Hey, that's worth something. Former law enforcement officer in a difficult place to be, I, I think to work, uh, and also a star on on uh, what, what was it on Cops. Uh, no, no. no I forget. <laughs> on HBO. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wondering, like, I, I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry to throw into the bus. I know this is something. This is a sensitive subject for Matthew. <laughs> uh, he, I think he's embarrassed a little bit by it. I'm not going to spill the beans. Just know that he has been on HBO once upon a time.
1: Yeah. Was, don't was, don't look me up on like what's that? IMDb or whatever. I, I'm not that.
0: I'm not that <laughs> famous. So. <laughs> it's a great great video anyway <laughs> all right moving on so <laughs> he's like blushing now look at him getting all red <laughs> today's episode folks is based off our most recent shooter ready challenge video we released at shoot- shooterreadychallenge.com uh, we're going to be discussing shooting while moving these are tips for shooting while moving that we're going to be talking about today in this episode Uh, This is something we do on a monthly basis and is sponsored by two amazing sponsors. First up, Laser Activated Shot Reporter software, that's also known as Laser App. In this case, I much prefer to use the Laser X version of the Laser software because it's so simple and easy to use and set up and works on any internet-connected browser, whether it's a mobile phone, a tablet your computer whatever if you in fact well i don't know for sure if it would work on a tv like some of the smart tvs have browsers and stuff i guess i can't guarantee that plus you got to have the ability to have a webcam connected mm. somewhere so but guys the laser x is awesome because you can set it up super easy set it up anywhere turn anything you want to use into targets okay and let the laser shot of something like a cert pistol from next level training be the shot indicated uh, uh, hits on your target that the software will pick up. The LaserX software will see that, register the hit, and give you not only the placement of that hit on your target, but also the time stamp, if you will, the actual shot time to accomplish those hits. That is hugely valuable data that you can collect in dry fire, and that's something that i think is very worthwhile check out the LaserX software at laserapp.com, app.com l-a-s-r-a-p-p.com and i just kind of thrown out there a moment ago that hey the cert pistol from next level training well next level training is our other sponsor all right next level training.com and they are the makers of the cert pistols. So if you have a Glock, a SIG, a uh MMP, uh, I should say SIG 320, although it'll feel similar to other SIGs because it's got a similar grip shape and, and beaver tail location, all that. But anyway, or a pocket-sized version of the cert pistol, go check them out. All right, pick one up. Valuable training tool, especially when paired with something like the Laser X software. Here's the thing. This month we did the shooter ready challenge drill. And in that one, we're doing shooting while moving. Well, that requires multiple shots. And I'll tell you, you don't want to be moving and then clicking your your actual pistol with like a, a laser. Well, our you know, the ready-up gear laser dot training cartridge, uh, which is our dry fire cartridge. That's also a great thing to have, but it only gives you one shot before you got to be resetting your gun. You don't want to be doing that, right? Especially when working on something like shooting while moving. So that's where pistols become hugely valuable. So anyway, guys, check them out. Our sponsors, we appreciate them. Again, laserapp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com and nextleveltraining.com. Let's get into our topic here today. Again, tips for shooting while moving. Uh, This is kind of similar to a drill that we have in our Guardian Pistol curriculum, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Which one would that be? The moving build drill. Yeah, moving build drill. Perfect, spot on. Uh, which is, I don't know. I, I I guess I could say we created it, but because I'm not familiar with anybody else that's like codified uh, a some you know the, a drill called the moving build drill per se. Although I that i suppose that could be i just we we created it as part of that curriculum it's something that we run on day two or day three mm. if you're doing the full curriculum anyway what that is i'll just give you the idea i'll, I'll spill the beans right now as far as what the mil, moving build drill is in live fire is you set up a target like say like a uspsa target would work or we actually have some new targets that are going to be coming. I'm spilling more beans. Jeez, we, we have some new targets <laughs> for, that probably will be coming soon from us here at concealedcarry.com. Uh, you can use any, anything that's similar to that. And at five yards, you want to position yourself about five yards um, apart from another position so like imagine this you got your target set up at five yards away from a line and on that line say the sh- shooting line if you will measure over two and a half yards to the left and two and a half yards to the right give or take it doesn't have to be perfect but then you got five yards of movement that you need to cover from left to right or right to left and then the moving build drill is you begin moving you draw you move towards you know, if you're starting on the left side, you're moving towards the right and you fire six rounds while you're moving and then repeat it the other direction. I like doing both directions back to back and measuring both times and putting them together or you could create an average would be acceptable as well. But put them together and that basically gives you because because here's the thing, you're probably going to be a little little bit different both in terms of time and or accuracy going left to right as you are, will be right to left because there's a difference going those different directions one way is going to feel a little bit more natural and easy to do and the other way is going to be a little bit more awkward because you're you're going to be binding up your body a little bit more because you're moving toward uh, moving towards like particularly if you're right-handed and you're moving to the left you're moving towards your support side but that means you're Dominant hand, your firing hand, your primary hand—all that has to be oriented towards the target to the right, and that's that's kind of awkward to do. It binds you up pretty good, anyway. That's the moving build drill. So, in the shooter rate challenge, we kind of do some similar things, and so I, I just I thought I'd begin by talking about that a little bit to sort of draw that correlation of here's where we actually use it in a curriculum that we teach at five yards doing this moving build drill of six shots. And here's kind of the, the way you can set this up and practice this in dry fire. Now that was specifically a left to right, right to left sort of thing, but we also do front to back and back to front as well. So, um, well, Matthew, why do you think, or if you think, okay. So, cause that certainly you are welcome to say, no, I don't think it's important <laughs> at all. Why do you think, having a skill like shooting on the move is important? Yeah. um,
1: Well, before I answer that, I'll just, I just want to like differentiate for somebody who's listening the difference between um, shooting and moving and then shooting on the move because they're different Mm -hmm. skills. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and they have different, uh, you would use them in different application. So shooting and moving would be, you know, I shoot um, and then I'm moving to cover not shooting or moving um, and then I shoot again. Shooting whilst moving would be I'm shooting while my feet are in motion. And, you know, that would be the difference. Um, And, you know, there may be certain applications where one or the other would be more effective. Um, But certainly if... You know, the skill, uh, the necessary skill of shooting while moving, um it, while it may not have a great amount of like, you might say, well, I'm not going to probably use that or I may not, you know, be involved in a, a shooting while, you know, while I have to move and shoot, I'll probably move to cover. Or I'll move, I'll shoot and I'll move to this. Um, if you are in a situation where you can't move to cover or you are. Uh, somebody is shooting rounds at you, or you know, you are in a confined space and you have to move a specific direction, um, and shoot at the same time, right? So, not only would it be applicable, um, there is real-world application that it may be a, a situation, even if it's you know probably um, uh, not, you know, the, the majority of of um, instances, but. Um, if we can shoot while we're moving, um, then how much better? I I mean, I'm just looking at it from a simple, if I can learn the skill of shooting while I'm moving, not only does it give me an extra option in, in a given scenario, but if I can shoot while I'm moving, then if I'm not moving or if I'm moving. Shooting and then moving, um, how much more accurate and how much, how much better will I be if, if I understand the the principles, um, involved in getting accurate shots while I'm moving? Um, and, and so, and, and for a competitive, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from a, you know, a a, a self-defense type shooting, but from a competitive nature, um, I imagine, you know, I'm not a competitive shooter. You are obviously, but, um, there's a tremendous application in competitive shooting where you're making up time, many stages, you know, you're shooting while you're moving and, you know, you don't want to shoot and move. So, um, so I I don't know if I answered the question or kind of went off in a tangent, but
0: Uh, Well, you definitely went off on a tangent. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Explaining that I think is important. You know, the differences between... uh, Yeah, I I think some people might sort of lump any sort of movement and shooting all into the same category. Um, But it is a different thing, you know, moving and then shooting, right? You know, like once you get into a position uh, and moving while shooting. Because there are some skills particularly if you're looking to be efficient in your movement, um, there are some different skills in your ability to, to leave a position, to get out of a position. So, you know, you're standing in a stationary position, maybe you shoot some shots in that stationary position. And you can imagine in a defensive context, this could look like you are, um, you know, initially you're, maybe you're starting in more in the open, um, or maybe you have some partial cover or something, but then you see an opportunity for some better cover. We certainly see plenty of law enforcement examples of this. In fact, I, I, I remember there was a, a shooting. This was a couple of years ago. I don't remember the exact story or where it occurred, but I remember a law enforcement one where uh, it started out in front of like a bus, like a, like a tour bus. It was on John Korea's, Uh, active self-protection channel and uh, you know, they start out there and the, and the officer ends up running around the back of the bus. And for a moment, I think using some cover from the back of the bus, but then doesn't, it doesn't give him the shot he wants or needs on the suspect from there, but then moves to, um, to like a tree. I think it was, or maybe it was a, I think it was a tree it takes up cover behind that and then continues uh, returning shots. And so it was, to me, it's like the the perfect example, real-life example of started out here in one place, in, in one position, and we're using the bus, but now we need to get over to this other place. And so, boom, we run over there. And there's a way to go about doing that and doing it in an efficient manner and getting into that position and firing. Shooting while moving is also very important and, and why. So I don't think you quite fully answered that part of the question. So let's hear your response now. So shooting, the importance of shooting while moving, moving is um,
1: in, in, I, I think in a self or, or in what context could it be important? Right. So um, whenever, if you think about a, a self-defense um, you, using your firearm self-defense context, right um our goal is 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 we, we want to move right you you're probably uh, in most situations not going to stand stagnant even if um even if there's not a you're not moving to cover right even if you're out in the open you're probably not going to just stand stagnant so either you are going to be moving and or the 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 threat is going to be moving, maybe both of you so um we move not simply just for frenetic movement for the sake of movement, like the, you know, the one step offline, line, right. Um, that, that that's movement for the sake of movement that probably isn't going to be as effective as what you would think. Right. Um, but if we can move, number one, we're trying to better our position. We're trying to, if we can explode off of that position, we're making it more difficult to track um us rather than just kind of shuffling off to the side and it allows us to potentially um change the dynamics of the situation where while we're re- you know we're responding to uh you know behind the power curve now if we're moving and can engage while we're moving and the it, it gives us a little bit of a, a the ability to turn that dynamic and now we are I don't want to say on the, the offensive, but we are being being able to more dominate or change the the dynamics, I believe, of the situation if we can involve shooting while we're moving. If, uh, you know, in certain circumstances, um, obviously we can only move if we can get accurate shots on the target. And so if or we can only move as fast as we can get accurate shots. So if we, eliminate that skill then we can't we can't shoot and move at all or if we try to do it we can miss and end up you know um in in more of an issue so um i i don't know if i'm hitting the 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 points that you Mm -hmm. you're thinking of um
0: you don't have to hit any particular yeah i'm just trying to think i'm free to make my own points (laughs) i'm sure you will (laughs) I mean, I think, I think every, you know, it's why we have different perspectives, you know, to present. Uh, so hearing your perspective, I think is, is good. Um, I mean, kind of what you touched on a little bit was we could either just move frenetically for, I don't know, the sake of moving, I guess. Uh, some people would say, well, it makes you a harder target to hit. Um I think that's context dependent a little bit. I think there's times where uh, where movement could certainly make things more difficult for your adversary. However, I think if you are really close in to your threat, you you probably can't really move fast enough to have the effect that you would like it to have. Um, I also think. That most people, when they move and shoot, don't move at a pace that's really all that fast mm-hmm. to begin with. And so so the argument of, well, we move because it makes us a harder target to hit, by itself probably isn't good enough. <clears throat> but I guess if given the choice of, would I rather stand still or move, even if the, ch- the chances of that movement only slight excuse me, only slightly increase as far as my, or decrease my likelihood of getting hit by my opponent's bullets. Yeah, I guess I'd probably still choose. Yeah, let's move. But that's where, you know, context is so important because it also, if I'm moving, it makes my job of getting hits on my target, on my threat, more difficult as well, Mm -hmm. right? We could look at this in another way where, I mean, how many shootings, Matthew, in, particularly in the open, right, where there's there's no, in other words, there's no reason to take up cover because maybe cover not available. How many times do we see surveillance video, uh, cell phone video, whatever, uh, where a, a shooting occurs between two people and they stand still or or w- even just one of them just totally stands still in the same position yeah or they leave cover
1: like they had cover and they actually move out
0: and Such a, in the case of the uh i think it was a chicago firefighter yeah right Mm-hmm. he basically won was... the gunfight but then and he was behind cover behind a vehicle but then he for some reason decided to give chase a little bit like kind of came out from behind that cover and is believed that during the shots that were exchanged in that second phase of that gunfight is what actually ended up costing his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, but the point is like, I think it's, it's, it's not like, I think, feel like we should build skills or tactics based on what we might do or what, what is believed commonly occurs because, uh, I'm trying to. How do I explain this in a way that makes sense? It's sort of like a chicken and egg sort of problem. It's like, does this happen because of this, or or does it happen because of that? Right? Like, um, because I do believe that we can train things to a level where we overcome tendencies to do things. So, in other words, like, do we move because, like, psychologically? we feel like that's what we, we got to like for whatever reason for it doesn't matter what the reason is, but mm-hmm. like we just know that naturally the response is to move. And a lot of times it's probably either to try to get away from evade a threat. Uh, I don't know whether the brain is thinking, Oh, if I move, this will make it harder for them to get me. It's probably more focused on trying to create space or get a, get away. Mm-hmm. Um, would be my guess. Right, but I personally believe that if we train certain things enough, we can overcome you know because I, I believe we will do what we train to do at a subconscious level, right? And that sometimes requires a lot of repetition to make something subconscious that overrides maybe other subconscious or unconscious tendencies. But anyway, so um, let me try to get this back on track. We're a little bit more f- focused. I believe that shooting on the move is an important skill because the evidence suggests that it is, uh, both in terms of there is an interesting study from I don't know if study is the the right word necessarily, but there's an interesting article from Greg Elifritz at ActiveResponseTraining.net where he talks about the different is in hits and they tested this with munitions mm. of a you know a target that was moving versus stationary and that kind of thing, and and so even that evidence does support and and, and the fact is the further you w- away you are the more you're moving uh, reduces reduces your chances of getting hit okay um, but uh, but maybe there, there's some interesting things there like critical hits here's and this is actually an, an an interesting point to be made. The movement may not keep you from getting hit by bullets necessarily, but what it does show that it reduces substantially is the the, the number of critical hits, so central nervous system or critical, you know, bl- he- uh, blood pumping, you know, parts of the body. Okay, so the evidence suggests that movement's a good idea in a lot of cases and a lot of contexts it is what a lot of people tend to do. One other thing I was thinking, Matthew, I think this is something that's not given as much respect perhaps as what it could, but would you say that there's a time and a place for a tactic such as closing in on your enemy? in a Yeah. Fashion.
1: Yeah. I, I I'm thinking, you know, obviously, um, Typically, we're trying to create space because that gives us op- <clears throat> options. It gives us the ability to, uh, to uh, you know, make di- make better options. Right? Well, we can either move to cover. We can we we have different um, capabilities. But um, I'm thinking of a situation maybe like in a crowded area where you're not the primary intended target, right? And there may be people. Um, you know, where you can't get a clear shot and you have to move closer to maybe eliminate an angle or get a better angle or eliminate a group of people that might be obscuring, you know, your ability to engage. So I, I can think, you know, of, of, of that where you might want to close the distance. Um, you know, there, the, think about maybe in your own home. Right, if you have to c- get closer maybe the assault is on a member of your family right and you may be 10 15 feet away instead of creating distance or moving to cover and engaging uh, while this person's m- moving frenetically with your loved one you may have to close the distance in, in that situation um, I think you know there are there is certainly context where moving to the threat might be um might be necessary or, you know,
0: how about from a military strategy or tactics point of view, you served as a Marine. Yeah. Deployment to Iraq. Uh, Explain to us briefly when would a, a unit, whatever unit size that might be, but when might you tact tactically, uh, attack and and particularly you know with a, a lot of movement with like you know violence of action if you will right? right like really closing in on your enemy
1: yeah well part of the marine corps mission uh for the uh, rifle squad is to locate and close with the enemy right and so there is you know as a as a small unit you 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 may Close in on the enemy and typically, you know, militarily wise, right? You're, you may have cover fire, right? Suppressive fire. And then a unit moves into place or you're doing a bounding approach where mm-hmm. somebody's covering your movement with movement or with fire and you're not actually shooting and mo- you're, you're shooting covering somebody's movement and then they cover mm-hmm. your movement. Um, it, 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 as far as like militarily wise, you know, it is a little bit different because you may not have the collateral. Issues right where you have mm-hmm. civilians all around, so mm-hmm. um, you may be able to have suppressive fire where you're just like I'm mm-hmm. cranking off rounds as I'm moving. Even though if I miss, I miss, and I'm not concerned. Um, so it's that balance. It's weird mm-hmm. because it's that balance where you get to if I op- if I slow down enough to be accurate with my shoot my fire, I'm exposing myself more. And then if I move too fast, right, then mm-hmm. why am I shooting and moving if I can just move a little bit faster and get out mm-hmm. of that zone quicker? So it's like yeah. that, that zone of like, and it, it's really, I guess it's going to be a dick. It is going to dictate on what you're seeing at the time and the information mm-hmm. you're bringing in. Are these people shooting at me? How effective, how close are they with their mm-hmm. fire? Um, and how far away is my cover? Mm-hmm. And what is my backdrop? And so, like, mm-hmm. if you're taking all that in, you may decide. And obviously, you know, if you have a five-shot revolver, you're probably not going to crank four rounds mm-hmm. in hopes that you get one hit, <clears throat> right? Like, so, yeah.
0: um, what is the psychological effect that it that would be? I I I mean, I did not serve in the military, but I mean, I've studied a few things. But there's there's a there's a psychological effect, is there not, when you are trying to rush essentially the enemy? Yeah, um, it's
1: sort or, of like a. Am
0: I reading too much into that?
1: No, I mean there are there are certainly I can I can think of a situation where you may be doing a counter ambush where you're you know your ambush and then you must close. I mean it, it is a violence of action to the ambush point, and you're pushing. Right. Everything is directed right towards that. And there is no, you know, hey, I'm going to get down and I'm going to yeah. try to get you're moving towards the ambush point. Yeah. And uh,
0: I mean, you're essentially trying to overwhelm the enemy, ex- right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So I, I went down that line of questioning, if you will, just just because like, is there a place for that in the, particularly in civilian self-defense context, and one thing we do have to be careful about is suppressive fire is not okay, mm-hmm. right? As a as a civilian or, or citizen defender, uh, sup- and I would say as law enforcement, suppressive fire is not okay because there's too much liability, you know, involved. Too much liability attached to each round that's fired. Uh, too much propensity for others in the vicinity to be- become you know, a player in in that. And so uh, we've got to have restraint in the shots that we fire. So suppressive fire is is not okay. And and by the way, I make that point as well, because sometimes, actually, I'd say it's fairly common when I work with newer shooters that are just learning to shoot while moving, uh, they tend to ignore their sight picture a little bit and spray and pray. Right now, th- when we're learning, there's 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 a point where as an instructor, it's like, I'm, I'm going to let them get away with that a little bit because we're trying to stack these different skills on top of a person. Right. It's like, hey, we just spent half the day learning how to grip the pistol correctly and aim it and press the trigger and not move the pistol. And, all. you know, like we just spent all this time just learning how to shoot. Now I'm saying you're going to shoot and move Or something to that effect, right? And so that's something else entirely. And now it's like, well, you know what? Something else is probably going to go by the wayside as they are trying to figure out the simple coordination of walk my feet in a semi-rapid fashion, in a smooth fashion, so I don't disrupt my sight picture. But meanwhile, they're so focused on the movement piece of things that sight picture goes out the window a little bit. And so we end up with just sort of so like you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. We get you know, if we if if the class shares a target and you even have just five shooters on that target and they all go through the same iteration of we're gonna move forward and backward and then left and right and while shooting, well that target's gonna look like Swiss cheese. Mm Mm-hmm right there'll be a tighter concentration of shots in the middle of it where we want them but we're going to see some some pretty rough misses too in the process and that's okay because it's a learning experience mm-hmm. right so but but what that would essentially equate to if you're ignoring your sight picture and you're shooting while moving you are basically conducting suppressive fire cuz you're just throwing rounds in the direction of your threat versus actually aiming them Yeah. And and go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to jump in and say like, and I don't know if this happens to you, but a lot of times, you know, um, the students, they'll say something like, well, we're moving. And so we're not going to be as accurate. And while that's true, there is, you can still move and be accurate. And I think that was the good thing that you were talking about in the shooter ready challenge is that like, yes, it it is more difficult to be accurate while shooting while moving, but it shouldn't be, you know, I'm at seven yards and I'm getting periphery hits in the top of the head down to the bot. Like that, you can be more accurate, s- certainly, um, and, and, and than that. Um, and we shouldn't just kind of discount our accuracy and say, well, I'm moving. So, of course, I'm not going to be
0: accurate. I- yeah. So, and this is an important thing. And so, this is actually... Here's the, the relevant tie-in to our topic today with all of that that we just discussed is what is the important dictating factor while we're moving and shooting in, in terms of the pace at which we shoot? And it's always got to be your sight picture. And that's tough to do. It's tough to do, especially when you're learning and you're stacking all these other skills on, on, on you, but that that has to be what we end up coming back to. We have to learn to be disciplined in monitoring our sight picture while we're moving. Now, there is a a, a bit of a balance beam or a seesaw sort of approach here uh, that, that's going to exist when we are moving and shooting, because... And this can be dictated by by context, uh, you know, as to how fast we need to move. So, for instance, or in other words, where our priorities need to be a little bit, you know, if my priority needs to be a little bit more focused on the movement, uh, if my proximity is close to my threat, for instance, if I'm covering a wide open area, whatever it is, you determine well i need to move but i don't want to just move and not be firing rounds but the emphasis is more on the movement then you need to be moving very quickly but what's the what there's a give and take here so what's the give and what's the take well we're taking speed and movement but we have to give up our ability to shoot quickly okay we don't have to necessarily give up accuracy although it likely will suffer a little okay where accuracy usually ends up being given away is when we shoot faster than what we should, when we ignore or disrespect our sight picture. But that's the thing we don't want to do. Okay? Again, if we disrespect our sight picture and we let allow accuracy to suffer, then we start shooting in a manner that's akin to suppressive fire. Shooting at our threat versus actually aiming and shooting them. So, if we need to move quickly, What's going to happen in our side picture? It's going to be bouncing a lot more. But we we just have to pay really close attention to that. So I'm moving quickly, and I might only be able to get off a shot like this. Pop, 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 right? But if every one of those shots are good shots, that's better than if I was moving quickly and just bop, 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 blazing away, where maybe one out of 10 shots will hit what I'm aiming for, right? And so the, 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 the key, you know, the gas pedal here is the sight picture. Okay. As it relates to the pace at which we shoot. What I also see a lot of shooters do, Matthew, is they tend to ingrain in themselves a predetermined shooting cadence. And this and I think one trap that we fall into here is we're in a class and there's other shooters. Maybe there's other shooters that are better than we are and we see them shoot the same drill and we, and we recognize, well, they move pretty good, but then they shot, right? And so then we try to go duplicate that because we think that's what we're supposed to do. But but maybe because that shooter is more skilled than I am that they're, you know, they're still getting their hits because they're watching their sight picture but they have greater control, greater discipline, you know, whatever it is, or they just, they move slightly smoother than I do, whatever it is. Right. So we don't want to shoot at a predetermined cadence because again, that suggests that the sight picture isn't that important. The sight picture is always what's important, especially in things like this shooting and moving. Now, if movement becomes less of the priority, we still need to move, Shoot the shooting is a higher priority, then we can move slower and that's going to smooth things out more, allowing us to shoot faster because our sight picture isn't as disturbed. So you see how that works? So it's a seesaw, you know, balance beam sort of effect there where either we got to move quickly and we're going to not be able to shoot as fast because our sight picture is going to be more difficult to regulate or the shooting piece is more, needs to be emphasized more, and thus, the movement will need to be slower, um so as to just to avoid disturbing the sight picture
1: yeah And what you're saying a hundred percent and i i think like as I'm you know trying to imagine my what my sights look like as I move right at different speeds, and I'm thinking, you know I think one of the issues in when I take a shot that I know is not is not going to be a good hit, right? Like I know that I either rushed it or I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't rush it. I I didn't have, I took the shot sooner than when I should have, because I wasn't patient enough to let my sight track back into the zone enough. Um, And I kind of forced it because I'm, as you're moving, you, I think innately, if we start moving, our adrenaline starts to go up. We start to have like more of a um, feeling of, in pen, like um, like we we have to take shots, right? Like we have. It's more important that we shoot, and we we don't take the time to let the site go back into the acceptable zone, which it would if we just gave it enough time. But because we feel sort of like, you know, when you're trying to do a time drill and you feel like all this time's gone by, but it hasn't, and you rush the shot because you don't think you have enough time, and you just don't let the sh- the the site come back over the acceptable hit zone and and take the shot. Then you kind of force it a little bit too soon and force the gun to go off. Um, I think that's sometimes what we do. We just feel this, like everything's moving and starts to become frenetic. And then we feel like, okay, I got to shoot a bunch of rounds. And you'll tell somebody during this drill, just shoot six rounds. And they end up shooting like 12 rounds. They're just like crank, 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 crank. And mm-hmm. they don't even realize because they just get, you know, jazzed up or something mm-hmm. like that. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Jim on Facebook has a comment. Firing while moving is basically providing your own cover fire. Uh, if they're dodging your bullets, they can't zero in on you. Get cover and zero in your shots. Yeah, so, you know, and we, we kind of touched on this a little bit already, Jim, and, and I don't know if you just joined, but, you know, that just that there is a context, there is a time, there is a place when shooting while moving is is important and is relevant. And there's a time and place where we need to emphasize getting to cover quickly and, and then shooting from a stationary protected position. So um, yeah, anyway, and then uh, let's see question in here from Connor. I'm left wondering what I can do in live fire to work on accuracy while moving. Is it something I should address by slowing down and then progressively speeding up? So, I mean, and this is the, this is kind of what I'm getting at Connor is that um, I do think that we should experiment with different, pacing of movement, okay? But when you talk about working on accuracy, um, it always just comes down to monitoring your sight picture, all right? That's what's going to determine your accuracy. Don't don't think in terms of, well, in order to get this degree of hits, of acceptable hits, you know, what do I need to do speed-wise with respect to my movement or my shooting pace. Don't, don't try to think so much in like that's, that's a focusing on the results, not focusing on the process line of thinking. And that's, that's what I'm really talking about here today is that if we always stay dialed in on our site picture, then we're always staying more true to a process focused approach rather than a results oriented one. Okay. Now you you can change variables on all sides of this equation so that you can experiment with the different extremes, if you will. Right. Like what happens? I mean, first of all, you should, you should already be acquainted with what is my degree of accuracy and performance that I can expect from a stationary shooting position. Right. That's the baseline. Okay. Let's say at seven yards, I can expect, You know, uh, and and let's just say we're trying to keep everything in a in a because we obviously target size is relevant too. Say we're trying to keep everything in a USPSA A zone, seven yards, standing still. Well, for me, if I just use myself as an example, I can run a one point seven five second build drill, pretty much, you know, on the regular, okay. Uh, as far as getting all those six hits in the A zone from seven yards, 1.75 seconds from the draw, right? Um, certainly sub two seconds. So let's just say two seconds is uh, two seconds to be a good baseline. Cause I could do that pretty much in my sleep. Uh, as soon as I start moving, what does that start looking like? Well, let's, let's say I move at a turtle's pace, right? Now that's, that's relevant as far as it is movement and it makes The shooting more difficult even though the movement itself is very slow and metered it does it it is harder than if i just stood still so there's going to be an effect all right so let's let's try that let's experiment with just i'm just moving i'm not moving very fast but i'm just seeing what i can do all right all right measure that see your performance now let's pick up the pace and see what happens but at all times i should be Visually focused on my sight picture. Okay. Because that's going to dictate whether I'm getting hits on target. In other words, I'm only sending the shot, I'm only pressing the trigger when I have an acceptable sight picture, not just pressing the trigger because I think I should or because I have this predetermined cadence in the back of my brain somewhere. All right. So now, then obviously, what the result's going to be is when I'm moving slow, I'm going to be able to shoot faster and still get acceptable hits. And then if I move quickly, I'm going to have to shoot at a slower pace to still get good hits. That's just because that's just how that equation works. All right. Because the movement will be more abrupt and more disruptive to the shot process, the sight picture when we're moving quickly. Now, Matthew, we should break down and talk a little bit about. I mean, it's covered in the shooter Raid challenge itself, too. but how do we move? Like how do you teach movement uh, to a, say, a, a shooter mm-hmm. that you know to help them move smoothly and 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 minimize the disruption of their other sites?
1: Yeah, and that's the whole key, right? Like w- if we're paying attention to our sites, then we we don't want them moving so much they're going to move. If we're moving, they're going to move, right? Like that's impossible Mm -hmm. to, 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 unless you're, 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 when you're totally stable or it's at rest, they even move a little bit. Right. So just imagine now we're moving. Right. So there's going to be an acceptable move, you know, zone that it moves in. Ideally, we want that movement to mainly be in our, our hit zone. Right. So while it's moving, it's not moving way off the target. It's right in our hit zone, but, um, what we want to try to do is keep all the moving parts essentially to the lower half of our body and the upper half, our arms, um, how we hold the, the gun in our hands and, and and all that to sort of absorb that up and down movement so we can minimize it. And use our, you know, bend our knees, get our our sen- center of gravity a little bit lower so we're not, s- those movements aren't so pronounced. So we're minimizing the movements um, overall by doing those things. And then we're isolating, trying to isolate them more to the legs, using our knees and our, our feet um, to, uh, you know, Act as more of shock absorbers. Uh, You've probably heard like the heel to toe or the groucho walk where you're kind of rolling your feet. Uh, it doesn't have to be super pronounced, but you'll, you'll, you'll know that. I mean, you'll know once you start bouncing that, Hey, I'm not, uh, I'm moving too fast or I'm not applying the technique correctly. Um, but we, we want to, you know, I find when I'm shooting and moving that if I hold my gun out really, you know, if I'm, if you're the type that locks your elbows out or holds it really, you know, kind of a uh, hyper extends the elbows. I, I find that that induces more up and down and shaking mm-hmm. where if I just bend my elbows, just slightly, It, it allows it to, you know, me to kind of absorb that movement and it's not as pronounced. Imagine, you know, you're carrying something you in the shoe right challenge, you do an awesome example of carrying a cup of water. You know, if you try to hold that thing out straight and walk, it's, you know, you, you're not going to, you naturally kind of bend your elbow and kind of bring it in because that naturally is a shock absorber. So, um, I think. That's what I I would recommend is that Mm -hmm. you kind of isolate that movement to the lower extremities, your waist down, bend the knees, lower center of gravity, use your feet kind of as a rolling motion as you move rather than kind of a plodding through, Mm -hmm.
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah. Being very deliberate with how you place your feet. Is is a is a part of this? I think. Uh, I mean, you you talk about the rolling of the feet or heel to toe or that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, really, what when you break that down? And, and, and by the way, I'm encouraging you all to break this down to think through this problem. And uh, a great way, as you mentioned, and as I cover in the video, is to is to do this with a cup of water that's full to the brim, and just. Walk with that, trying to minimize spillage and pay attention to what you have to do with your body to stabilize that cup. And what you'll find is that you can't plod, you can't just drop your foot to the ground, you have to place it very carefully. You have to just, just kiss the ground with your heel or your toe, in the case if you're moving more to the rear or that sort of thing. But you got to place your your foot kiss the ground with it, and then ease the rest of the foot into the ground, right? That's your first step. That's, I mean, (laughs) pun intended. That is your first step. That's what you got to, you know, if you're breaking down this process, and then if your knees are bent slightly, okay, then you can articulate your legs in a way, really what it comes down to is how smoothly you're placing your feet with the ground, The reason why the knees and all that have to bend is so that we can articulate it in that way. If you really think about it, yes, there's some shock absorption taking place. That's the common phrase or description that we use when we talk about this is let your legs and your lower body act as shock absorbers. But if you really think about it, the primary purpose is I've got to put my foot in contact with the ground as smoothly as I can. And to be able to do that, I can't walk very upright and straight legged because I can't place my feet precisely that way. So I got to bend things a little bit. So I'm utilizing a little bit more muscular control of, you know, I'm, I'm picking up a foot and boom, kiss the heel on the ground, roll that foot onto the ground, nice and smooth. And then you're just doing it again with the next foot, the next foot, the next foot, right? And then moving up through the body. Um, Again, I can't have a ton of shock absorption occurring at the hand level because that's got to be relatively stable, you know, relative to the target. Because obviously, if I try to absorb too much with the the arms and hands, then I'm going to be, you know, like I can can balance that cup of water pretty carefully if I'm not worried about holding it on a target. I can do whatever I got to do with it and let the hands and the arms and everything act as a gimbal. Right, Um, But when I got to maintain on target, then yes, there can be some articulation in the elbows. There can be some articulation in the shoulders. A lot of it's occurring in the lower body. Um, So it becomes less articulation as we get closer to the hands because the hands have got to remain relatively stable. Because if they're not, that means our hands are leaving the target. So anyway, just, just give that some thought. Hold out that cup of water, fold to the brim, walk around back and forth, experiment with different paces. Or, or different speed of your, of your pace, speeds of your pace, uh, you know, slower, medium pace, faster pace, and just see what changes and see what you have to do to maintain that stable platform. Uh, I find that holding that cup of water out in a, in a manner as if I'm holding my pistol teaches me more than if I hold it where I naturally want to. Because if we do this the way we naturally want to, we would hold it closer into the body. We have greater control and greater stability that way. But if I hold it out here, it becomes a lot more challenging, and I have to be a lot more in tune with my body and what it's doing to avoid spillage. And if you take that same approach and translate it over to the pistol, you're going to see this work very effectively. I've seen it work incredibly effectively for me as I've learned and taught myself. I've, I've a lot of my ability to shoot on the move has sort of been self-taught uh, just experimenting and trying things. Uh, I remember a stage at area two championships last year. It was an awkward stage. And unfortunately a stage ended up getting thrown out of the match uh, because of a technicality, but uh, it was a very challenging stage to shoot because you had it it's what I would call very a very choppy stage. You had a lot of targets in a lot of different positions and there was no like natural flow to the stage. Uh, you couldn't just... Sh- well, you could shoot it where you just ran from position to position to position to position and shoot all the targets from all those different positions while emphasizing fast movement from position to position. The problem was is that three or four of those positions were all really close to each other. And so every time you stop and then have to start going again, there it's a time suck. You lose time. Okay. Cause there's, there's time spent on decelerating into a position and there's time spent on accelerating out of a position and shifting your weight and doing whatever you got to do to, to, to make that, to initiate that movement. So if you have positions that you're moving to that are close together, like a step, a step and a half, two steps, sometimes like that's challenging because, they're, they're just close enough that you want to try to shoot through those positions on the move, but the targets you were shooting at were very hard to hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know what? I, I remember looking at that stage and walking that stage and putting together a plan and thinking, well, man, the easy thing would be as far as making sure I get all my hits would be just to hurry to each position and shoot stationary from each of those positions but i knew it was going to cost me a lot of time to do that the other thing was i could move just keep moving myself through these positions my movement's not going to look very fast and it wasn't and my shooting might not even be all that particularly fast because again some of the shots were quite challenging but i'm continually i'm keeping my movement moving and there's none of this stop and then having to go again and stop and having to go again, which costs time. And so it was a, it was a risk to try to shoot through that middle section of that stage uh, all on the move. But it is what I ended up doing. With the exception of the very last piece, I, there was kind of almost like a, a stutter step, if you will, or a shuffle step I had to take. But the most of it I shot on the move. There were folks in my squad that were like, you're crazy. But I did it. And I just stayed very... Focused and disciplined in on that site picture. I just I just listened to what the sites were telling me. In this case, it was a dot because I was shooting a red dot. Then that, that's all I did. It was just tried to keep my feet moving while paying close attention. Where's my dot? Where's my dot? Where's my dot? It's okay. Take my shot, take my shot, take my shot. And I ended up with the best score on that stage up to that point in that match by a long by a Wide margin just because, and it, again, you watch me shoot it, it didn't look like I was going very fast, but I eliminated a lot of the choppiness of what was going on there if you tried to approach it any other way. So I just use that as an example of I know some people are like, well, that's a competition example or whatever. Yeah, that's a very specific example. Um, but it goes to show that if, if you practice shooting while moving and and you learn discipline in your sight picture so that you let the sites tell you everything you need to know as it relates to how you're moving and how you're ta- and when you're taking your shots on target, it can be hugely effective and you can get really great accuracy by saving time and keeping your feet moving. So just a thought there. And um, yeah, I think people will be surprised if, be surprised at how accurate they can still be while maintaining a pretty good shooting pace, even while moving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, you know, we've, um, you've hit it a bunch of times and I'll just circle back. It's instead of trying to think of like, I should shoot this fast. These, these, my split time should be this fast at this distance or whatever, whatever your sights are telling you, that's how fast you can shoot. Whether, you know, that focus on that instead of like, oh, well, it should sound like bam, 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 bam at this distance. It just whatever the sites are telling you, do it. And that's going to dictate how fast you can shoot. And you'll be much more accurate than trying to reach some sort of um, cadence and losing the effectiveness of your sh- shots because it's not tied to your sight picture.
0: Mm-hmm. I think... Yep. I- yeah. Interesting question or comment, if you will. Sorry, this will be the last thing, and we'll have to wrap up the show. Uh, Jared uh, on uh, on our Guardian Nation members Facebook group actually watching today says uh, he watched a video from an experienced uh, Special Forces guy uh, that talked about how you need to train how you naturally move and learn to shoot that way. Heeltoe is great and. Uh, comp Completion, the competition, competition, yeah. I think, but he says it doesn't work in gunfights because of the stress your body reverts to natural movement, regardless of how you train. A couple things I'll say there. And I, I, number one, Jared, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing the same video, and I'd be interested in who that whose video that was, uh, because I'd like to have the same conversation with one of my very close friends uh, that were that was in special forces and has been in many gunfights, uh, and see what his thoughts are on that. Uh, number two competition is stressful. And so, and I know some people will be like, well, the real gunfight thing would not be as stress or would be way more stressful. Therefore this is, you know, apples and oranges and it is apples and oranges to some extent. But, uh, I, I always go back to my, my good buddy, Matt little who said on this podcast that shooting matches is more stressful for him. And ha always has been more stressful for him than being in gunfights. Just something to think about. If that's the case, and if our movement breaks down under stress or because of stress, I don't know. Just something to think about. I believe we can train our bodies to do incredible things under stress. We see elite athletes do it all the time. Now, I know a lot of us carrying guns for personal defense uh, would say that you know, well, I don't need to be elite. Well, okay, that's that's fine. But hey, why why be content with just staying where you are? We should always be, I think, striving to get better. Follow-up comment from Jared is a different type of stress. Mm, disagree, because there's a lot of research that shows stress is stress, that the body doesn't know how to differentiate. Context is different, and context changes, and the brain can recognize differences in context, but the actual effects of stress Stress is stress. A lot of of scientific uh, 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 data out there on that very point, in fact. Anyway, um, feel free to hit me up or I'll engage with you in our Facebook uh, Garden Nation members group, Jared, and uh, talk further about that. Happy to do so. Guys, it's time to wrap up. We do need to couple things. Number one, don't forget to go check out ShooterReadyChallenge.com. Watch the latest video and learn how to train these things in dry fire and test yourself and use the LaserX software. If you can use a cert pistol, if you have one, if you don't have a cert pistol, then do the best you can. Here's what I could tell you. If I didn't have a a cert pistol for this, I would put a laser dot trainer in my gun. Okay. And I would get one shot on target but then, and I, it, it would look like this: click. But then all the succeeding shots, I would have a dead trigger, and I would I would take all those succeeding shots. And it's tricky to do with a cert pistol because I don't have quite as much play in the trigger, but because it wants to reset a little bit easier. But I would just do, 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 and I would hit the trigger as as pretty much as fast and as a violent as and as violently as I could. And pay attention to what's happening in my sight picture as I'm doing that. And it would be the 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 best thing you could do in dry fire uh, is just work that dead trigger and keep slamming that trigger. And here's the thing. Some people be like, well, I'm going to teach myself poor trigger mechanics or trigger control. If you can teach yourself how to slap the trigger at a pretty good pace in dry fire, what do you think happens... In live fire, when you're a little bit more, I'm careful how I say this. You know, Rob Latham talks about it like this. Learn to slap the trigger really fast and not move the gun. And there's a certain certain truth to that. Uh, And when you push yourself beyond where you normally want to be, it forces everything else to try to catch up with that. And working the trigger in a, Somewhat aggressive fashion in dry fire in an in, a, in an exercise like what we're talking about here today, say a six seven eight shot string while I'm moving and the whole time I'm just locked into my sights and paying close attention to those sights uh, will teach you a lot about what's going on with your grip. Uh, the any movement that you're inducing into that grip through the rest of your hand as you're working that trigger, all kinds of things will come to light as you do that. Something to experiment with and try. Uh let's see. Oh, shootraychallenge.com, go watch it. Okay? Work on the drill. Support our sponsors, laserapp.com and nextleveltraining.com. Don't forget to sign up for the uh, newsletter if you will. I think that's what it essentially is. There's an email list to get on at the shootraychallenge.com page that automatically enrolls you in the in the giveaway for free product from Ready Up Gear. And then finally, for today's episode, we got to announce our weekly podcast mm-hmm. giveaway winner. And so, Matthew, first of all, what are we giving away? We're giving away a shall
1: not be infringed t-shirt from our concealed carry uh, apparel store. Awesome. Line of apparel. One of my, <laughs> one of my favorite shirts. Yep.
0: Uh, I should have should wore it today. If I would remembered, that's what we were giving away. <laughs> uh, so, shall not be infringed t-shirt. And... Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think I have that shirt yet. Mm. Jacob does. We have one sitting at the office, and I was I was thinking about it. I've seen it, but I actually don't have one in my closet. I should get one. <laughs> Shall not be infringed t-shirt. What are we giving away next week?
1: We're giving away a $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear.
0: $50 gift card, SSP Wear. We've given a number of those away before. <laughs> they go a long ways towards quality e- or eye protection from SSP. So very good, very good. You want to make sure you sign up. The way you do that is go to uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and sign up for the weekly giveaway. All right. Chances to win. Pretty good. Do it. So who's our winner of the Shall Not Be Infringed t-shirt today?
1: Our winner of the t-shirt is Jason K. K is in King. Jason K. Congratulations.
0: So last name, first initial starts with K. K. Or, that's, correct. Well, that's i sound confusing last name the first letter <laughs> of his last name starts with a k in case yes. that was not clear all right congratulations on winning the t-shirt uh make sure you get back to us so we'll need to get your size and all that so we can get one to you so guys we're gonna let you go thanks for joining us for yet another podcast episode we are getting close to the end of season four we look forward to uh to that, uh, we're actually recording this just before Christmas uh, and the New Year's, obviously. So we w- we wish you all a Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy Holidays and a Happy New Year. Uh, we hope that you are all well wherever you are, that you're safe in your travel, because many of you will be traveling during this time, and that you are able to enjoy your time. Uh, hopefully, you take some time away from work and get to spend some time with your family or those that are most important to you or that you care about in your life and enjoy yourselves these holidays this holiday season. So, guys, uh, thanks so much for being part of this episode with us. And, Matthew, thank you to you, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you guys and to you and your family as well, Riley. Absolutely. Thank you. And so, guys, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.